And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 272. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome along to the show. And are you all excited? Yeah, within the next two weeks, we have the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I think a lot of people out there looking forward to that. I was not as fond of Guardians of the Galaxy as I have been of some of the other movies in the Marvel franchise. But I am looking forward to it. And it's definitely something that Pete and I are going to see within probably within the first month that it's out. Um, unlike some of them that kind, of, <laughs> that kind of fall through the cracks and I don't end up seeing them for, for months. But um, yeah, uh, we're looking forward to it. And I have a feeling. Now, this is just a hunch, mind you. But I have a feeling that our after credit scene is going to have something to do with Thor Ragnarok. I don't know this for sure. It's just a hunch considering it's kind of the next big thing coming. So hoping that that works out. Hoping that uh, it's a good movie because, you know, we just need good movies out there. We don't need any more sucky ones. And uh, yeah. So that's pretty much where we are. Not a lot to talk about here at the top of the show. Again, you know, I'm, I'm behind on my recording schedule. It's my own damn fault. Uh, and so I'm kind of making up for lost time. But uh, anyway, so um, yeah, so we have an issue of Hercules Unbound to cover. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. Hercules, hero of song and story, Hercules, winner of ancient glory, fighting for the right, fighting with his might, with the strength of ten ordinary men, Hercules, people are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him, softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty. And we're back, and we're looking at Hercules Unbound, issue number four. Cover price, 30 cents. Ooh, it went up. April, May 1976 is the cover date. I think this book, I don't think this book ever did go monthly. I think it was bi-monthly for the whole time it was out. Cover art is by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Looks like it was Wally Wood that inked the cover, though I could be wrong. Shows Hercules, and he is holding up a car, uh, an orange car. And in the orange car, there is a uh, ape, uh, a.k.a. Planet of the Apes kind of ape. And then there's a, a tiger man, and actually a group of tiger men and dog people. So now we're starting to see some of the commandy type stuff. Now... Does this make a lot of sense, you know, even if you kind of stretch out the, the timeline a little bit, uh, you know, that we're now, you know, six months, eight months, a year past the uh, World War Three attack, um, and all of these animal people all of a sudden, how does this happen? 
Anyway, and uh, the uh, I just have to say the Tiger Man that Hercules is uh, is tackling here uh, on the cover. He's got the car. He's holding up the car with his uh, left hand and his. With his right hand, sorry. And with his left hand, he's kind of strangling this tiger man. This tiger man looks like he has a hell of an erection. I'm, either that or he's just, I don't know, got something big and oblong in his pocket. <laughs> um, I don't know if they were actually going for that, but okay. Um, yeah, it's a very suggestive cover here. Inside cover, of course, we have our Twinkies ad, Batman and the Twinkieless Gotham City, featuring the penguin. And we open up to the splash page. The title of the story is This Savage Strength, and is brought to you by Jerry Conway, the writer, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and Wally Wood, who are the artists, and Joe Orlando is the editor. And we find that... um, Hercules and Jennifer and the dog and Kevin are all on board Kevin's sailboat and they are being attacked uh, by some unknown people. Looks like they managed to blast the mast in half with a bachoom and they're, it looks like uh, one of the explosives also hits the front of the boat uh, with a choom and Hercules, whose head is very small, uh, it's like it, it shrank to like half its normal size, is uh, he's holding on to the sail. Not sure why he's holding on to it, maybe to prevent it from falling and covering him. Um, and he shouts out, By all the gods of Olympus, are yonder fools mad? They're trying to destroy us. Don't look now, Herc, says Kevin, but I think they're going to succeed. Can't they see we're unarmed? Says Jennifer. Why are they? Oh, no, Hercules, Kevin, look. And, and Kevin's like, I'd look if I could, Jennifer. But looking is a little hard when you're blind, because we have to constantly be reminded of this. Oh, Kevin, I'm sorry. It's so difficult to remember. Don't apologize, Jen. Just describe. And we see that they were attacked by torpedoes. And we have a double-page spread here. They're sailing across the English Channel, so they're going to the UK, apparently. And somebody is firing torpedoes at them. And... And Jennifer's like, it's a torpedo, Kevin, coming our way. And Hercules takes the mast of the ship that got, which got blown off by the other explosions and manages to hit the torpedo with a tra-boom. It blows up and obviously doesn't destroy the boat, which you'd think it would even even this you know, close range. You'd think it would. Anyway, so there's the uh, World War II PT boat that seems to be the source of these things that's uh, shooting these torpedoes at them. Basically, they're just trying to survive here and not get destroyed by torpedoes. And uh, the boat then heads for them. And Kevin says, Hercules, I hear something. It's the PT boat speeding toward us. And how does he know it's a PT boat? Because he read the caption, obviously, because nobody has said anything about a PT boat before now. So, yeah, DC... Editorial oversight is a little bit lax here. And so the PT boat is coming up and pulling up inside. They're very uh, assiduously preventing us from seeing the faces of these uh, people who are attacking them. And I think I know why, if you look at the cover. Uh, It says, they're trying to board us, Kevin, thinking we must be stunned by their cursed torpedoes, says Hercules. Shall we show them how stunned we are, my friends? And Kevin says, you heard the man, God, Jenny. 
let's go. And Jenny does a very Shanna the She-Devil type of move. She kind of vaults over the side of the boat, kicking one of these guys right in the groin. Um, and Kevin is here too, and he's got his uh, sling, and he's whipping rocks around and whumping them. And, of course, we get a little bit of exposition here. Weeks ago, these three were strangers, each existing in his private world, unaware the others were even alive. Weeks ago, before the day of destruction cynically called World War III, the war changed more than history. It altered lives. It altered civilization. It altered geography. Now reality blends with unreality. Monsters live and gods walk like men. And one such god is Hercules. And they have managed to knock out all these people. Looks like there are only four of them. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's possible they could have done that. And Hercules says, it seems we've won. Now I think we are due some answers. You, explain yourself. Why did you attack us? And he's, he's threatening one of these guys. He still has like the bandages and stuff over his face. Hunter Blood commands us to capture all who invade his isle. Hunter Blood commands, and we must obey. And Hercules says, This mask garbles your speech, foe man. Remove it, and we'll hear you more clearly. Now who? Eh? Flames of Apollo. A cat. Uh, yeah, so he, he uh, takes off the mask, and it is a cat person. And the cat says, I am a loyal servant of Hunter Blood. This master of yours, this Hunter Blood. What isle is it that he commands? That's the question of a fool. What other isle would Hunter Bud command but the largest and the greatest? There, there is the island of Hunter Blood. And Jennifer says, England. He means England. And so Hercules gets a rope and he ties it to himself and he jumps over the side of the boat. And because their sail and their mast are gone at this point. And he hauls them, he swims in the water and pulls the boat behind him. And we get a little bit of uh, exposition here. The White Cliffs of Dover. Once they overlooked an empire on which the sun would never set. But that was an age ago. And now the twilight sun casts a deep, rich shadow over Dover Beach, lighting the sandy shore, but dimly, only vaguely illuminating the burly figure of Hercules. Are you sure we should have let the Catman go? Well, it doesn't actually show them letting him go, but they did, I guess. And do you think he told us the truth, Hercules? Does it matter? We've come to this land to find our friends. Simon St. Charles and David Rigg. Um, yeah, so we don't, we don't know what happened to them because this appeared off panel, so anyway. According to the note they left in Paris, they fled to this place you call London. If we're to find them... We must continue our journey regardless of the risk. I've been thinking about that note, Hercules. When we returned from that place, that underworld where Cerebus brought me, I was still a little out of my head. It isn't every day a girl goes to hell, you know. Anyway, I'm beginning to wonder if David and Simon really left the message we found. Now she brings it up? Okay. <laughs> I mean, some, suppose someone else wrote the note. Someone who wanted to see us dead. Especially you, Hercules. Someone like Ares, says Kevin. It's possible, Kevin, though unlikely. It would give the god of war great pleasure to see me undone. Twas he who chained me to that Aegean isle where you found me, Kevin, those long weeks ago. Twas he who mutated men into monsters after instigating this last most terrible war for his own sick amusement. 
"'Twas he who sent Cerebus to kidnap Jennifer, "'and twas he who brought the Nubian and I to our final confrontation." Before the castle of Pluto in the darkest corner of Hades. And we get a, a close-up here of uh, of Ares' face. He's got this big old grin on his face. And we see the uh, flashbacks of Hercules fighting Cerebus and breaking his chains. And yeah, so basically we get a little recap of what's gone on in the series up until the fourth issue. But this, forge a letter? Nay, tis not his style, Jennifer Monroe. Perhaps twould be better if left such concerns to me. Uh-huh. I kind of thought we'd get around to this sooner or later. Okay, Herc, tell me. Why should I leave such concerns to you? Jennifer Monroe, is it not obvious? I'm a man. <laughs> and uh, Kevin's like, Herc, old chum, I think he just blew it. Yarg, says Jennifer. I can't stand that. I just cannot stand that. You know, for a guy with the body of a Greek god, you've got the mind of a blasted Neanderthal. And she goes running off, and um, Kevin's just sitting there in a rock next to Hercules, and he says, When you've got a spare moment, Herc, remind me to tell you about a little thing called women's lib. It'll drive you out of your mind. And of course, you know, nowadays this would be considered highly offensive, wouldn't it? Uh, it's not women's lib, but yeah, anyway. So uh, we shift scenes, and we are in London. And you know it's London because why? Because you see Big Ben, and because it's the same reason you knew we were in Paris, because we saw the Eiffel Tower. So we have uh, Big Ben and some ruined buildings that don't look anything like the Houses of Parliament. We have a bridge that looks nothing like Tower Bridge or London Bridge or any of those bridges that, that cross the Thames. We get a little bit of a uh, exposition here. An hour later, several hundred miles to the west in the city, which was once known as London, a high-pitched voice echoes through the deserted streets, raised in a shout that's almost a cry of pain. Traitor! Tra betrayer of trust! Spoiler of my faith! I trusted you, charging you and your brothers with a single duty, to capture and destroy all men who approach my island. You failed, Ernak! You betrayed me with your failure. Hunter Blood, please. Please, I didn't fail. My men are the ones you should punish. They're the ones who... Silence! I find your groveling distasteful. You are their commander, Ernak. They failed you. And you failed me. And um, so we have this Hunter Blood dude, and he, he's dressed in a superhero outfit. He's got the uh, the Captain America type boots and gloves in red, so he looks like he might have stolen those from Captain America. He's got a purple jumpsuit uh, and a uh, it's it's not exactly a cape. It is kind of a cape. It, it's more like a like a really long cape scarf sort of thing. So it's not like a long scarf like Doctor Who. It's more like a cape that wraps around his neck and then hangs out in the back. So, so it is kind of a cape. He slaps the cat man across the face and then he lifts up his glasses and he has some kind of, um, radiation eye beams that, that shoot out and, uh, and it hits the, uh, the cat guy, Ernak, and, uh, he's rolling around on the, um, on the ground in pain going, yeah. And it says, as the shrieking fades, 
the cat decays. So these are like uh, radioactive death rays that come out of this guy's eyes. And it turns the cat guy into a skeleton. So again, for comics code, and you see the skeleton too. So the comics code in this, this era, um, this is pretty brutal stuff. Find the invaders and bring them to me. Find them before the dawn or die. And it looks like they're actually on the steps of St. Martin in the Fields Church. Which and actually it's not a bad likeness of St. Martin the Fields Church, though that could actually just kind of be accidental. They might have just been going for generic building with a spire on it. <laughs> and we shift scenes uh, to where Hercules and Kevin and Jennifer are, and they're in the street, um, kind of a generic looking street with an a, a amazing amount of space when you consider they're supposed to be actually in London. And they're in a they're next to a store with a broken window, like a clothing store, where there's still mannequins with clothes on it in the window. You would think that, that people would have looted the clothes and taken them, but no. Weeks later, they're still there. And it says, uh, For the past four hours since sunset, they've been quiet, each wrapped in his own thoughts, brooding on what he or she has seen or sensed. For Kevin, the night has been a series of strange smells and sounds, the smell of death, the sounds of emptiness. For Jennifer... The night has been too silent, and now she breaks the silence out of desperation. The people! Where are all the people? I've been asking myself that same question all evening, Jenny, um, says says Kevin. And, of course, he can't. He can smell the death, but he can't actually see the people. And I'm damned if I can find an answer. The island seems deserted, or at least this part of it, as though everyone just got up and left, leaving these ruins behind. Nor is that the strangest thing, Kevin, says Hercules. We found no bodies, no sign of. And then there's uh, some uh, explosions, and Hercules says, Zeus! And Kevin says, gunshots! And, of course, they're, they're being shot at. And we got the chow, ka-chow, ka-chow, paka-paka-paka-taka-taka. And they're being shot at by more of these cat people. And these cat people seem to have taken over England from the looks of it. And Hercules says, more animals. Is this isle infested with such beasts? By my soul, it's almost more than a man can stand. And he lashes out at these uh, cat people, and they're dressed up in army uniforms and have guns and stuff. And he's, he's kind of whacking out at them and strangling them and pushing them all back. There's a whole bunch more, and they're, they're hiding behind cars and stuff, shooting at, at Hercules and friends. And says here, before the first three touch the ground, Hercules has found new targets in the time it takes to tell. He moves with all the rippling power of a Greek god. And he picks up the car that they were hiding behind and he's uh, going to smash them with it. And then we get a bunch of ads. And then Hercules smashes the car down on them and crushes them in a kind of a brutal way too. Uh, with a big uh, crumb mash. Yeah, so that takes out these guys, and the caption says the firing stops abruptly, cut off like a choked cry. The dog named Basil sniffs the air, sense no danger, and and he goes running off, and um, Kevin is like, Basil, no! And Hercules says, hold him, Kevin! Don't let him! And then there's a, a gunshot, and it hits Basil, and he goes, yay! And yeah, so Basil has been shot by one of these uh, these cat people, and Hercules turns and he faces the cat person, and he's like, "Animal, 
filthy butchering animal and he gets shot too so yeah so they're uh they've been attacked and shot and apparently uh they're all dead now so yeah so i guess that's the end of the series <laughs> oh wait no um the uh, cat person who's there he says he has a, a, a um, walkie-talkie and he says wrote in the hunter blood mission accomplished and uh, so uh, we have uh, Jennifer, and she wakes up. So apparently they're not all dead after all. And she's like, dead? Alive? And uh, the, um, the blood hunter guy is there, and he says, Yes, my dear, quite alive, and quite welcome too, I might add. But the gun, the shooting. My man, you sleep cartridges, child. No reason to be alarmed. Your man? Yeah, oh my man. It's his boyfriend. Of course, foolish of me. Haven't introduced myself. My name once was Errol Blood, but after the disaster, after all the people died, I changed my name to Hunter Blood. Easier for my men to pronounce what? And quite fitting, too, for you see I'm a hunter of things. Objedard. Nostalgia, a collector of time now lost, never to be known again. Please, won't you sit down, relax? We've so much to talk about, so very much to discuss. And we can see that they're sitting in this like big library or museum or something like that, and there's all these um, posters and toys and books and uh, TV sets, and it looks like there's uh, guitar uh, some clothes, um, yeah, basically just lots of lots and lots of stuff. It's like a flea market or something. My friends, where are my friends? There now, my dear. Don't be upset. Your friends are fine, just fine. We're taking good care of them, child. The very best care in the world. And um, we then shift scenes to where Hercules and Kevin are being kept in the the very best care in the world. Oh, wait, no. They're chained to a couple of giant bells. So, okay. I'm, I'm assuming that the bells are in Big Ben just because we're in London and that's what you do. So anyway, um, we have the, uh, the two of them and they're chained to these giant bells, much larger than any church bells I've ever seen. Though, I mean, I will admit that my, my experience of bells is... You know, rather, rather limited, but I have seen some pretty big ones in cathedrals and stuff like that, and these are much larger than those. So anyway, uh, so Kevin and Hercules are, are are chained to these bells, and uh, Kevin wakes up, and Hercules is already awake, of course, and he says, Kevin, are you awake, lad? I guess so, but the way I feel now, I wish I were dreaming. Are we where I think we are? <laughs> Which, if you think that they're attached to giant bells, I guess is true. Aye, Kevin, we were drugged, and the poison must still be within me. Try as I might, I cannot muster my strength. And without my strength, I cannot break these chains. Tis clear we're helpless. Maybe, and maybe not. Hang on, Herc. There's something I want to try. And we shift scenes again back to where... Um, Back to where Jennifer and Hunter Blood are talking. And we see now that um, actually Hercules and Kevin are actually in the bell tower of the building that they were in. So they're not at Big Ben. It, it would be too too weird if they were in Big Ben. I mean, this is pretty stupid, but not that stupid. Anyway, so then we shift scenes again. And they are back with uh, Jennifer and uh, Mr. Blood Hunter. And uh, they are in front of the Mona Lisa. 
and a bunch of wine and stuff. So um, Jennifer's like, that painting, is it real? Naturally. And so is this wine, Miss Monroe. Chateaubriand 63, from what I hear, an excellent year. There was a time when all this was quite beyond me. Out of my reach, as they used to say. I began as a collector of old books before the war. First folio editions of Shakespeare, that sort of thing. Not for myself, of course. For my employer, Lord Reginald Hormsey. He was a senile old fool, a Philistine. He wanted to donate his collection to the Royal Academy for a tax deduction. And he's so angry about that tax deduction that he shouts it again. A tax deduction! And he uh, breaks the bottle of uh, Chateaubriand that he's holding. And, um, yeah, it was a big crunch, and the wine goes everywhere. And Jennifer's like, your hand! <laughs> and he's like, uh, shut up! You think I feel pain, physical pain? Shouldn't it be obvious to you by now? I'm not like normal humans. Not like you. Not like your friends. The others, they died when the war began. But not me. I was changed, transformed by the radiation, just as those animals are transformed. They became men, and I became this. And he lifts up his uh, his glasses and shoots out his, his eye beams and shoots at a desk with some books on it. And it de- develops, or it just de- decays into a pile of gook. Or, or dust or whatever it is. So, uh, and it just, it just strikes me that this guy with his bald head and his uh, his glasses and the fact that he's in London, he, he reminds me a lot of King Mob from The Invisibles, except that series was much better than this. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he dissolves the desk and um, he says, I've gained a power, the power to decay things at will. Don't you see the irony? I possess the greatest collection of beauty ever assembled, and I can't see it. So apparently he's blind too, interestingly enough. And the caption says, For a long moment Hunter blood trembles with inner anguish, then his body grows tense, and he stumbles forward. Your friends can see. All I can see are shapes, shapes and shadows, but they see. They must be punished. All of you must be punished. Punished! Punished! And he reaches out to a uh, like a box in the wall, and he opens it up, and he presses a button with a click, and the bells begin to ring. Uh, yes, the same bells that um, Hercules and Kevin are tied to, and he goes going bong, bong, bong. And Jennifer's like, "Oh my God, Hercules and Kevin, they're up there!" Now, how she knows that, I don't know, because he didn't actually tell her that. And just the sound of the ringing bells shouldn't be very obvious that they're tied to them. Anyway, so it's just one of many things that we're ignoring about this series. So uh, we cut to uh, Kevin and Hercules, and the bells are swinging wildly, and they're going bong, bong, bong. So we get a little bit of a caption here. Pain. It's all around them now throbbing and smashing against their ears into their brains. And yet, incredibly, Hercules can hear another sound above the bells, a voice, Kevin's voice, reaching past his ears into his mind. There's no sound, Hercules. No sound, no pain. Listen to my voice. 
You can feel the strength in your arms, in your hands. You can feel it building, growing. You can feel it, Hercules. This savage strength greater than any power you've ever known. Forget the drug. Forget the pain. Pull, Hercules. Pull. And uh, he pulls, and eventually the chains shatter, along with the bell, which is not very realistic, but okay. Yeah, the chains would shatter way before the bell, knowing how bells are made. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he breaks the bell, the, the metal breaks, and Hercules is free. And the bell goes smashing through the floor, which is like basically the first realistic thing that's happened. And Kevin and Hercules go smashing through the floor, too. And apparently in this whole process, um, Kevin's chains have broken as well. But what's interesting is Kevin is not being protected from falling down through the ceiling and into the, the church below. But Hercules is falling head first. So this doesn't look too good for Kevin. But as we find out a couple panels later, he lands on his feet, which is very, very unrealistic. But anyway, uh, so the, the tower comes tumbling down. Um, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but the bells come tumbling down at least. And the tower falls. And when the tower falls, can the cathedral be far behind? And there's all these rocks falling. And it says, for six full minutes, the thundering destruction continues, at last slowing into a trickle of falling mortar and dust. And everything inside, including the Mona Lisa, is destroyed. Hunter Blood and, and Jennifer are outside, and he's pissing and moaning. Gone! All gone! The dream of a lifetime! Your companions did this to me, Miss Monroe! They've already paid with their lives, no doubt, buried under a ton of rubble. But you, you're still alive! And a voice comes from behind. And so she shall remain, says Hercules. And as for you, Hunter Blood... You and I have an appointment with death and destiny. In the name of Zeus, let the battle begin. And we can see that uh, that actually Kevin is okay too. And Hercules is going to have a fight. Next issue, Bloody Showdown. And that is Hercules Unbound, number four. And uh, we do have a few things to say about this issue, as well as a very quick look at some of the ads in the issue right after this message. Two hundred and twenty-nine different characters spanning the galaxies of the Legion of Superheroes, presented across seven comic book issues. A new miniseries as part of the Who's Who podcast. To handle this many characters, the irredeemable Shag is bringing in a ringer, or maybe we should call them flight ringers. Who's who in the Legion of Who's who in the Legion of Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? The Legion of Superheroes. In the Legion of Superheroes. The Legion of Superbloggers team up to present Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes, a three-episode miniseries in 2017, part of the Who's Who podcast on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Long live the Legion. And we're back, and of course we have a few things to say about this issue. Um, so one of the things that I'm really struck by here is just how nonsensical the series is and this has been a problem since the very very beginning and that's kind of trying to thrown into sharp relief with this 
issue. Now, one of the big things that uh, is made a big deal of early on in the issue is that the entire island seems to be deserted. Now, granted, they've made their way from the White Cliffs of Dover to London, apparently in a moment. You know, it, it's been an hour, maybe a few hours, and they've made it, you know, it's not right next to the coast, folks. London is pretty far up the Thames Estuary. And I guess it depends on where you cross the the, uh, the channel. But if you're in the White Cliffs of Dover, you're, you know, like 90 miles or something from London. So it wouldn't be a place that they could get to on foot in just a few hours. I mean, it would be more, you know, a week or two of, of walking probably. The fact that they're, they're saying that, uh, you know, there's no clue, there's no bodies, you know, don't, they don't know where the people have gone, um, which is kind of counteracted by the description that they give of the smells, where they're saying, saying that the city smells of death. Um, one would think that maybe these people are dead here, you know, <laughs> um, but, but they, they make such a, a, a big point of saying that it's just like everyone just fled, that it makes you wonder what they're going to do. Um, obviously, some of these people changed into cat people. Now, there's a, a broader question here that I have some concern about. Now, this is 1976. The Commandy book came out a couple of years, what, three years before this. So this is connected to Commandy by this, this gimmick of the great disaster. Now, as a disaster, this great disaster is kind of a bust. It doesn't seem from this book that the great disaster was all that bad. There are lots and lots of people that survived it. And true, there are people who are changing into monsters and shit. Now, I am led to believe by this book, because I actually think it, it outright says it, that the great disaster was caused by Ares. So all of Commandy's adventures, all of that, all of this, uh, you know, Kirby's futuristic animal people and all that. Now, it was a nonsensical series to begin with. Now, you know, guys, I love me some Kirby. Uh, it was one of the most imaginative storytellers of all time. And Commandy was not maybe the greatest creation of, of Kirby. But it, it's just so implausible that it makes it a lot less enjoyable to me that you can have this idea of a nuclear war and you know it can, it can hit cities like London, but yet there's no bodies and stuff around. So, I mean, maybe the cat people eat the bodies. I don't know. Um, but how did the cat people become cat people? Just from the radiation? You know, it, the magic of Ares can do a lot of things, including probably create cat people. But it just seems to me that it's a lot of trouble to go to. But at the same time, the animal people in Commandy are, you know, they're there for no particularly good reason. It was just sort of an idea that, that Kirby came up with and he wanted that cool visual of like the Dalmatian people and the cat people, whatever. But it doesn't, um, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it, this is a very, very silly series and, and obviously I'm not taking it very seriously and neither should you. Um, and I will say the writing is probably, yeah, it's, it's about half as good as it should be that there's a lot that they could probably do with this concept they, they could make this a little bit a little bit more realistic i suppose and it would probably be better 
the, the, the kind of the interpersonal relationships here are very implausible. Um, again, it's very old school. I, I see this series, and, and Jerry Conway at this point is not an old guy. I mean, he's an old guy now, but, but at that point, you know, he was one of these uh, new young writers who was kind of, you know, redeveloping storytelling in the age after Stanley and Jack Kirby. So, you know, you've got him, and he's doing this really kind of old fuddy-duddy kind of ideas. Maybe that's editorial influence. I know Joe Orlando is probably a million years old, but... It just seems to me that, that they could do a lot better. And maybe this is why the series only lasted for 12 issues. I mean, obviously, um, I think if I had been reading this at the age I was, which was 13 years old when this book came out, I probably would have put this down after this issue. So I, I don't think that I would have continued to buy the book at all. Um, Artwork-wise, pretty good. Like I said, they you know they're, they're trying to set the scene in London, but it doesn't really look like London. It's just kind of generic buildings, and um, you know, London is a very tightly packed city. If you've ever been there, like relatively narrow roads, there's not a lot of big open areas in the city. You've got big open areas in London, but they tend to be parks, so Hyde Park and and you know and uh, Kensington Park and, and those areas. Um, you could argue, I guess, that a lot of buildings got destroyed by the bombs. But then again, where are the people? They said there's no bodies. So they just get vaporized. The, you know, and, and why wouldn't all the buildings in that radius get destroyed? So they're clearly very um, being very selective about what they show and what they don't show. It would, be, it would have been more effective probably if they'd said on their way to London, say they'd been traveling for a week, you know, whatever, um, and that they had not seen any people at all. That would be, I think, more interesting as an explanation. Or actually, it would make a more compelling mystery, I think, than, than what they actually went with. So there's a lot of things that I, a lot of things that are wrong with the story. A lot of things that I don't like about it. Um, but like I said, you know, you shouldn't take this seriously because it is just kind of goofy. All right, so uh, before we go, just going to have a really quick look at the ads. Now, you know I like looking at ads, and I know some of you probably don't think it's that exciting. Those of you who um, don't find ads exciting, I'm not going to talk about anything more important, so you can either stop listening now or you can listen to me yammer on about the ads. Um, I actually like this Batman and, and Robin Twinkies ad because it reminds me very much of the TV show. Uh, we have... Uh, you know, you have a uh, obviously the penguin as the villain. We've got Commissioner Gordon. We've got yeah, you know, we've we've got all the elements of the the nineteen sixties TV show, except we've got a um, kind of a seventies look uh, for one of the henchmen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, or I guess it's the mayor. I don't know. It's anyway. So anyway, the penguin has stolen all the hostess Twinkies from Gotham City, and. Um, and I guess he's holding the Twinkies delivery men under some kind of a spell, which is not really explained at all. And apparently the spell is broken by Batman throwing a rope around um, the penguin and yeah, and that that's it. So it's, it's, an, it's a weak plot, but the artwork's good. It looks like it's uh, Kurt Swan art on this. Uh, and uh, yeah, and Kurt Swan is not an artist that you typically associate with Batman. But anyway, um, so we then have a, a Tandy Leather Company. Remember Tandy Leather? I wonder if Tandy Leather is actually connected to Radio Shack because uh, Tandy 
was the owner of Radio Shack. It was the, the home corporation, the parent corporation. And there's a, uh, a leather-making kit. You can make this belt and a wallet. And it says you get everything you need to make the belt and the wallet for $3. So, yeah, it looks like you get some leather and a piece of wood and some, um, like, little mini screwdriver things to impress your design into the uh, into the leather. It looks like you get a uh, an awl, something you can punch holes in the leather with. Um we get a, an ad from International Correspondence Schools. There must be a better way to earn a living. Yeah, well, yeah, but you don't get a new career out of comic books, I would say, generally speaking. Uh, we get the three drafting kits given to you. Get a when you train at home with us for a high-paid job in drafting. So, yeah, you can uh, become a drafter. Uh, it's approved for GIs and veterans, so... If you want to become a drafter, just answer this ad in the comic book. They will send you a um, an aptitude test, and it uh, looks like a sample lesson for you to do. Uh, precision drawing instruments, yeah. Um, now, with this, this is interesting is that if you, they don't give you the drafting kits unless you complete their course. So, yeah, so <laughs> that's how it goes. Uh, we have the tank trap game. Uh, this is one of those army men games that you set up with a, yeah. And uh, they actually have um, these really interesting looking airplanes in this game. Uh, it says uh, th realistic 3D plastic forces. Uh, it's a giant coastal battleground with combined land, sea, and air force. What really strikes me about this is the aircraft in this look a lot like, uh, look like Star Wars ships before Star Wars was actually a thing. And even more like uh, stealth bombers. Would you consider that that was not really a thing in 1976? It's pretty impressive. Uh, the Secret of Teaching Yourself Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard that one before. Superman versus Spider-Man. Pre-publication ad for it. You can order and you reserve a copy. Um, and it was going for two fifty of you if you order by mail. Because it was $0.50 cents for postage. Indian and Lincoln cents by the pound. Dated from the 1880s through the 1930s. Um... Yeah, you get a one-pound sack of, of pennies for uh, $10. Um, I wonder, you know, I, I would be willing to bet that that would be worth it if you could do that now. <laughs> but the, the artwork in this ad is really, really bad. Um, join the Sands Club Skateboards Across the Nation. Yeah, this was the time when skateboards started to come back. Now, you, people don't think of it, but skateboards were not really a thing when I was a kid. Skateboards were a big thing in the 1950s, maybe the late 40s into the late 50s. And at that point, skateboards were basically as a piece of wood with roller skate wheels. So they didn't have like the fancy plastic wheels and stuff that they have now. And, and even in the 70s, this was just the next step beyond that. They, they, you know, they actually were made of plastic or, or made out of some sort of resin. And then they started to have these uh, resin or plastic wheels on them that actually were much more efficient than the uh, skateboard wheels that they had in the 1950s. So this was really kind of when when skating became a thing um, was it was here in the 70s. Now, I had a skateboard in the 70s. Um, I was never a terrific skateboarder, but I could do a few tricks on it. You know, I don't think of myself as a skater, never did really. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that look at the ad and this is really the precursor to 
things we have now. They even have a uh, skateboard here that actually has skates on it for skating on ice. So that's, um, yeah, it's an ice skateboard. So I wonder how dangerous those are. Um, you can get high school diploma. One makes, one wonders why you have all these high school diploma, new career correspondence school ads in comics. It's, it's, it's almost as though they thought that people who read comics were kind of dumb and, and, and dropped out of school. <laughs> uh, we got a, a U.S. coin fueled barrel for $5. I somehow doubt that. We get NCG merchandise. This is like the DC uh, merchandise outlet. I kind of like the uh, Toy Biz was for Marvel. This was kind of DC's version of that. You can get a uh, Batman toothbrush for $5.95. It's an electric toothbrush that runs with a battery. You got the Super Friends car. Has Batman, Robin, Superman, and Aquaman. It's a battery-operated battery remote control car with wheelie action for uh, 6 bucks plus 60 cents postage. You got the 1976 DC calendar. Not nearly as cool as the Marvel calendar that same year, which I had. Um, Super Stunt Cycles. These are basically repurposed Evil Knievel toys, but instead of Evil Knievel, you can get Batman, the Joker, and the Penguin. You can also get... Uh, Superman, Batman, squirt guns. No, this isn't the one where you squeeze Batman's crotch and he vomits out water. This is actually a, um, it's like a giant Batman or Superman head. And the, the, the trigger is in their neck. So you squeeze your finger around their neck and they spit water at you out of their mouth. Um, yeah, very grotesque sort of thing. <laughs> All right. And uh, that is about it for this week, folks. Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, if you want to contact the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, we are back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to the ruins of World War III London. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>